Get ready to rumble. Chilling Show Unleashed on the Seven Thunders Media Network. Former city councilor, husband, father, and community watchdog. Your host, Rob Schilling. Welcome to the Schilling Show Unleashed podcast. Remember, your direct support makes our show possible, and you can directly support this podcast by visiting shillingshow.com and then clicking on the Patreon banner at the top of the page to make a monthly contribution. We appreciate your support. The Schilling Show Unleashed podcast welcomes Terry James, a student of Bible prophecy, an author of many books on the subject and co-author, along with Jonathan Brentner, of the new book, Hereafter, It's Far Better Than You Can Imagine. Terry James, thanks for joining us today on the Schilling Show Unleashed podcast. Thank you, Rob. It's always uh, great to be with you. I think it would be instructive, because you do talk about this in the book, about your own death experience, because you had some very interesting things that you encountered while you were no longer on this earth. Yes, I did. And, you know, I'm a, kind of an old stodgy Baptist type, I guess you'd say. I'm always a little bit skeptical about, you know, hearing all these ecstatic experiences and so forth. But let me tell you, since a good Friday of 2011, right before that Easter, of course, uh, I had the most interesting uh, experience, I guess you would say. And, uh, yeah, I was exercising. I've been exercising. I'm 81 now. Mm-hmm. I've been working out since 1979 pretty regularly. Mm-hmm. I was just finishing with my workout, and I sat down in the, my recliner, and uh, all of a sudden I started getting indigestion real bad. It had, I had been getting it for several days, and I, did, I thought it was just indigestion, but it got worse and worse, and finally I was having breathing problems, and I kind of was getting clammy. I told my wife, Margaret, I said, you better call 911. Well, she knew there was something up there because I, I don't like to go to a doctor for anything. Yeah. So to say call 911 was a real panic time because I couldn't breathe. Then they came out, the EMT, and uh, they said, I can't get a pulse. Both of them, both guys felt my arms and said, well, let's let's get him on the gurney and get him out of here. They asked if I could walk to the gurney, and here I walked to the gurney, I guess, without any pulse. But anyway, they got me in the van, took me off to the local hospital, which is not very far from here. And as he was pulling me out of the back of that uh, van, I heard this uh, funny blip. It was like a computer prompt or something. And all of a sudden, I was in I was in the middle of um, a bunch of young, beautiful, tall people, young men and women, in a fortune setting. And they were bidding me to come to them, and, and I started toward them, and and I thought, well, this is, looks like a really wonderful group. Uh, it was joyful and and uh, cheering and so forth, and started toward them, and all of a sudden everything turned dark. Now, I'm blind. I've been blind since 1994, really, due to a retinal, uh, hereditary uh, retinal disease. So I, everything started turning dark again, and, and I was on the gurney, and I, I said, you should see where I would I just was. I said, this guy, this one kid was saying I had to hit him with a paddle. I said, what paddle? He said, well, your heart stopped, mm-hmm. and I had to hit you with the defib paddles. And so this went on down the hall. They were taking me down to um, the cath lab in the hospital, and my wife was there, of course, and she and the doctor said, we don't know. He, he was dead on arrival, so I don't know what we're going to do here. Uh, said, well, we hope we can we can save him. We're going to try. 
and said, I looked ashen as I passed by and everything my wife said. So uh, it happened, the same thing happened again. I, I was awake for a time, and then all of a sudden I heard this same blip. I don't know what that's all about. And I was in front of the same cheering group of young people again. And they bid me to come to them. And, and I, again, I said, this is a wonderful place. It's just a marvelous setting. It's very brilliant to young, beautiful men and women, and they wanted me to join them. And I, was, and I didn't know anything about what was going on other than that. And... And everything started, I started toward them, and everything started getting dark again. And I was only, again, they were taking me to the cath lab table. I was on on the cath lab table. They were working on me. They were trying to get me, I guess, prepped for the uh, insertion of the stent. And all of a sudden, uh, the the same thing happened, the same blip sound, and I was in front of this beautiful bunch of young people. This time I was with them. I was among them. We were running, and we had our hands in the air. and this one young beautiful girl was looking over at me just right beside me and she didn't say anything but I could see in her eyes and what she was thinking she was just thinking isn't this the most wonderful experience you've ever had and I said I said to myself it sure is and I don't want to leave here this time they had their hands in the air and we were running just effortlessly towards some goal and then everything started turning dark again I remember thinking I don't want to leave and I was on the cath lab table and I I asked what was going on, so well, we had to hit you with the paddles again. This young man apologized, and, and the doctor, and I said, what's going on? He said, the doctor's trying to save your life, so I shut my mouth and didn't ask him more questions. I didn't even try to, and he said no more questions. He was an Indian doctor from India, and he said no more no more questions. And so uh, and so that's, that was my experience. Well, I think it's fascinating. In, in the context of this book, it's far better than you can imagine, and you've been given a glimpse of something that you could not have imagined otherwise. But there's so much in the Bible that we never get to, and that's why I'm so glad you've written the book, Terry. Uh, I think we, we ought to go to the rapture of the church because so many important things happen as a result of that uh, to us individually and personally and also to the world. So if you could tell us about the importance of the rapture of the church to this story. Well, of course, the rapture of the church, that's what the blessed hope is, is Jesus Christ calling the church to himself. And this is a pre-tribulation, uh, taking up or snatching, or in the Greek it's harpazo, is translated into the Latin Vulgate rapturo, which is where the more modern theologians take the word rapture. And it's a certain snatching up of all believers in Jesus Christ. I was born again, those who believe in the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ and truly believe in their hearts and confess it with their mouth, Paul says in Romans. Believe in your heart and confess it with your mouth, and you will be saved. Jesus will take all of those believers to be with himself at some point, unknown, before the uh, tribulation, his last seven years of um, leading up to Christ's second advent when he returns to earth. Uh, this will take place prior to that. It is a, a rescue, really, out of that time of tribulation, that seven years period when God will have to send judgment and wrath upon a rebellious world who uh, who has rejected his son Jesus and who has turned their back on him. The rapture will be that glorious moment when we will appear with Christ in the air. We find that in uh, 1 Corinthians 15, verses 51 through 55, basically, and through 1 Thessalonians, in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, <clears throat> verses 13 through 18. That's where the rapture is, is told by Paul the Apostle. 
It is a glorious event and uh, is one that uh, we believe that it, it is very close because we see all the signals of the coming tribulation era on the on the political horizon at this moment. Therefore, we know that the rapture of the church will, will take place before uh, this uh, tribulation starts. Uh, it will take place before that, so we know we must be very, very near that time of rapture. One of the exciting things that is not discussed enough in the church, but you spend a considerable amount of time in the book, Terry, is our resurrection bodies. And I'm sure many of us, if we thought about it, would be so anticipating this new body. Tell us about it. Well, I sure have. I'm, I'm in for 81 years old. I'm in very good health. Uh, yes. I've always I worked out, and I've been in good health. I've had a heart attack, and God has seen me through that totally. I have no more problems with it, but I'm blind, and I certainly am looking forward to that moment because when Christ calls us to the into the rapture, we're going to be instantly changed. The Bible says, Paul says, we'll be instantly changed. All believers will be instantly changed. Our bodies will be made uh, ready for the abode or the uh, going to glory because flesh and blood cannot inherit uh, eternal life, but uh, the changed body uh, in, our, in other words, our body is being changed, totally transformed into the likeness of the body of Jesus Christ. And uh, when we appear with him, and then he goes on and takes us to heaven. Uh, John says in fourteen, uh, John fourteen six, that uh, Jesus said, Let not your heart be troubled. Uh, well, you believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you, and if I go to prepare a place, I come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am there you may be also. And so that's what this is all about. Our bodies have to be changed, and I'm looking forward to it. This means that everyone who is crippled, blind, deaf, whatever the problem is, who are Christians, in that moment they're going to have a perfect, uh, perfectly transformed body to live in glory with God forever. There is something that uh, some Christians fear, and it's the judgment, the Bema Seat judgment. And maybe you could help to dispel the fears that some people have over facing their life. Well, if you're at the Bema Seat judgment of Christ, there's this judgment seat of Christ called the Bema. Uh, if you're there, well, you, you can count yourself as in heaven for all of eternity with God, because it's all only for believers. The Bema judgment is only for believers. Uh, only those who believe in Christ will be there, and we will be judged for not for our salvation, because God took care of that. Christ took care of that on the cross when He died for the sins of mankind, and and of course everybody who accepts that are saved. And so it's not for our salvation this this judgment; it's for our rewards of what we have done on earth, the assignment that God that God has given us. We won't be asked to do the same things. Have we done as much as Billy Graham, for example, has done? We will be judged on how well we have performed the task that God has given us as His as His children on earth, and that's why. And the rewards will be given out. There may be some disappointment because we haven't we haven't served Christ the way we should, and therefore have lost rewards. But I think our main disappointment there would be that we've disappointed maybe our Lord. But Christ is going to wash away all tears, so that won't hinder our heavenly experience. That will be glorious forever. Now, the other the other judgment is the one that people have to worry about, the ones who are not saved, the people who haven't accepted Christ. And that's a great white throne judgment that will happen following the millennium of Christ's millennial reign, that is, 1,000 years reign on earth following uh, 
his return, uh, his return at Armageddon, and then the millennial reign will be set up. And and after the millennial reign of a thousand years, a great white throne, and all lost stand before that. And all people who go to this judgment, the great white throne judgment, will go to hell. So, so the difference is, um, you know, the bema. You want to be at the bema. You don't want to be at the great white throne. We should talk about the marriage feast of the Lamb. It's going to be a celebration. And in the book, Terry James, you draw a lot of comparisons to some of the ancient Jewish rituals that took place around weddings that we no longer can relate to. So help us to understand those connections. Jonathan, who who wrote most of this book, Jonathan Brenner, my my co-author, and uh, I turned it over to him to write most of this book because um, he's a he's a much younger man, and and uh, I wanted him to have um, have his part in this, and so he he addressed most of these things. I, I wish he was here to address these fully, but of course the supper of the Lamb is going to be where we all, following the rapture of the church, we're going to it's going to be a great supper, and I believe it's going to be a literal supper, although a supernatural setting and everything is. I think it's going to be a where we will all know each other, everybody, every every Christian, every person that's ever been born again will, will automatically know each other. We will be in Christ, and we will know as we are known by Him. In other words, we will have the mind of Christ. Not only will we be there with the one, with all of our relatives and our loved ones that we have known here on earth, but we will also know all other brothers and sisters that we haven't met as, as believers. And there will be this great, great supper and uh, a great feast. Uh, celebrating uh, the marriage supper of the Lamb. Now, the, the Lamb, of course, is Jesus Christ. The Church, uh, all believers uh, in Him are considered His bride, the bride of Christ. And so it will be a, a, a giant celebration of Jesus and His bride, that is the Church, all who, all who belong to Him. And it will be glorious. Now, some people think it will be in heaven or some intermediate place between heaven and earth. Some people think it will be on earth. I personally believe that the Supper of the Lamb will be in heaven, and we will be celebrating that great going to Christ all during the seven years of that terrible tribulation that's going on on earth. Uh, we will be in the presence of Christ celebrating uh, uh, being one with Him. The Shilling Show Unleashed podcast continues with our guest Terry James in just a moment. Shilling Show Unleashed. Shillingshowmedia.com is your one-stop shop for websites, audio and video production, and photography. Shillingshowmedia.com will take your project from conception to completion. Shillingshowmedia.com is reasonably priced and highly professional. Need a website for your business? Visit Shillingshowmedia.com. Need a video created or edited? Visit Shillingshowmedia.com. Have a photography or graphic design project? Visit Shillingshowmedia.com. Shillingshowmedia.com is your one-stop shop for websites, audio and video production, and photography. Visit Shillingshowmedia.com. That's Shillingshowmedia.com. new book is Hereafter. It's far better than you can imagine. Co-author along with Jonathan Brentner. Terry James is our guest here on the Shilling Show Unleashed podcast. You referenced the Millennial Kingdom, and this is such an exciting thing to contemplate. Tell us what it will be like and what is the Millennial Kingdom of Christ? Well, following Christ, uh, second advent, his second coming, whenever, you know, the, the battle, uh, end of the seven years tribulation I've been talking about, Armageddon uh, will uh, be about to rage in Megiddo, there in northern Israel, 
and uh, all the armies of the world will be there to do battle with each other. The kings of the East from the Orient, probably led by China, will be coming over to do battle with the Antichrist and all of his forces. In other words, it'll be the Occidental versus the Oriental world. But as they begin to do battle, and it'll be a great, terrible, last concluding battle of all human history, just as they begin that, the clouds of total darkness because of the tribulation and so forth will break open. The skies will break open, and through it will come a radiant beam of light in Christ, mounted on a brilliant white steed, it says in Revelation chapter 19, verse 11, will break through that, and then followed by all of the saints, and that would be all the rest of us who have, have gone to be with Christ, will come back on on white steeds following, following Christ, all arrayed in white. Christ will simply speak the word, and it will be ended. And the armies of the world will just burst open. They will stop fighting long enough to turn their weaponry on him, trying to stop the the Son of God from returning, but of course he will just speak the word, the Bible says, the sword that comes out of his mouth. And I believe it will be the same word he spoke to the raging sea on Galilee when they were about to perish, and the disciples came to him, and he was asleep very calmly, and they were worried as if the boat was about to be destroyed. He just simply spoke to the sea, said, Peace, be still. And it was absolute calm. I believe it's going to be the same way at Armageddon when he speaks the word. And then, of course, uh, the millennial kingdom will be the next thing. Uh, he will come back, establish his throne on on earth, and uh, he will remake the earth into a into a pristine state as it was uh, in the days of Eden. And uh, he will rule and reign uh, on Mount Zion in uh, Jerusalem for a thousand years, and his will he will rule with a rod of iron. That means that he will abide no disorder or lawlessness. And he will simply rule and reign for a thousand years. And then uh, all, all, there will be many people who, who live through the tribulation who will go into, the tri- go into that millennial kingdom. Uh, most, most will die during that period, but there will be many who will go into the millennial kingdom to you know be just to be flesh and blood christians people who have become believers during the tribulation they will go into the millennium they will repopulate the earth because they're flesh and blood they procreate and there'll be millions and billions of people probably more many more than there are now on earth in that thousand years because there'll be very little death and dying and those who die will be because of they have and somehow come opposed to God's laws and so forth and deserve death and be very little little death or dying during that period. So it'll be a greatly repopulated earth, and then following that, well, Satan will be loosed from the bottomless pit. He'll be handled there for a thousand years during that millennial period, but he'll be loosed, and there will be many people who have been born during that millennial period who will then follow Satan because they not they never have accepted Christ during that time because man's nature is still fallen and there's still there is that a thing of disbelief unbelief Satan will come out and live a, lead a rebel a rebellious uh, attack on Jerusalem and Christ and God will instantly destroy them and then um, then that's the end of the millennium and then God remakes the heavens and the earth. And that's basically the story. You should tell us about our own roles as believers in the millennial kingdom. What will be our work? As believers, it depends on, uh, you know, as, as Christians now, in this era, 
before the rapture of the church, those of us who are raptured, who are believers, uh, we will be supernatural saints. You know, we will be, we will have all the same powers that Christ had, really, as far as, uh, you know, being able to move, um, move into places instantly, just to go from, for example, um, the millennial king of the millennial um, home of all believers will be the, um, the, the New Jerusalem is called. It's a 15,000-mile cubed uh, residence where we will be living and trans- going back and forth between Earth and uh, that New Jerusalem. And uh, we can do it instantaneously. It doesn't have to travel by jet or anything else. We're just thinking and we're there. So we will be having supernatural powers like that. We will be working with the people who are flesh and blood during the uh, the millennium, you know, the flesh and blood people who came out of the tribulation, they will be repopulating the earth, and, and, and we will be working with them. We will be judging them. We will be doing all kinds of things. We will be assisting them probably, helping them to grow in the Lord, and uh, we will have a supernatural ministry to, uh, to all those people. And God will give us assignments uh, as believers, uh, you know, as supernatural believers, he give us assignments based upon our works uh, before the rapture. Uh, in other words, how, how faithful we were. That's why we'll, we'll be, what the beam of rewards are all about. We were given given assignments to carry out our the millennial kingdom work, and uh, so we'll be we'll be supernatural saints while the, the flesh and blood saints uh, are repopulating the earth, and that uh, they that will be uh, with Christ ruling and reigning from Jerusalem. Tell us about the New Jerusalem and the new heavens and the new earth, because people sometimes get confused about what happens in that transition time. That is, the new heavens and new earth, as referenced by, I think it's Peter, it will be a time following the millennium, the thousand years reign of Christ, when it's all over, and uh, he remakes the heavens and the earth. We believe it will be a much bigger earth, much more, but it will be a literal earth, but it will also be a supernatural earth where there's no sin, nothing to be condemned and be perfectly within uh, God's uh, order forever and ever. That's a remaking of the heavens earth. It will The old earth will pass away, it says, and, and, and the old heavens will pass away. God will completely remake everything, but there will be this great new earth. But before that, and during the tribulation, for the after the tribulation era, Christ will make earth pristine again. He will, it will simply... Uh, it will simply become a pristine earth again as it was in the Garden of Eden, but sin will still be here uh, because man's fallen nature will still be here. And uh, even though Satan is locked up in the bottomless pit and all of his minions, uh, supernatural minions, are locked up in the bottomless pit, people will still sin because uh, man's nature is fallen. But uh, in the new, when the new heavens and the new earth are made, there'll be no more sin because man's old sin nature will have been done away with, and there'll be no more sin, no more sinning, no more death. And uh, the most glorious time, of course, will be during that new heavens and new earth. You have a number of really interesting questions towards the end of the book, and I'd like to go over a couple of them, questions about heaven. And so let's first talk about children and how children will arrive and appear in heaven. Are there any hints or clues in the Bible? No, there really, there really aren't as far as uh, children. We just know that children, all children who die, and every, every last child who dies before having the ability to choose between uh, accepting Christ or rejecting him. In other words, we call that the age of accountability. 
Every child before that goes to be directly with God. I don't care what anybody says. When the rapture occurs, every child on earth is going to be missing who is below the age of accountability. If they have not had the chance and the understanding, if they haven't had the understanding to know to accept Christ or reject him, they're going to be directly in his presence. So that's going to be a tremendous He's talking about a, something that's going to cause chaos on this earth when every little child, every child below the age of accountability is gone. So we know that children go directly to be with, with God, with Christ, when they die because of David, King David. Uh, David uh, you know, had, had the affair with, uh, the, the illicit affair with uh, Bathsheba. He even had her husband killed in battle and uh, because she, he had impregnated her. Well, the little baby that was born out of that, that union of course, uh, died. And, and David was distraught over it, but he said, put on that sackcloth and ashes and prayed to God for the baby to live, but it, it finally died. And many days after after this, his uh, praying and sackcloth and ashes, he got up, and when he found out the baby had died, he put on his kingly robes, went back to business. And as people around him said, "What, what, David, what's going on? You know, now you're, the baby's dead, and now you seem to be all right about it. And he said, well, he said, I know that I can't, I can't the baby can't come back to me, but I can, I can go, I will go to him. And so um, we know from that, and just from that one experience, that the babies go to heaven. We should also talk about gender identity in heaven. Again, there's a lot of confusion surrounding this topic. God said, you know, Jesus himself said God has made two genders. He's made, you know, man and woman. Made he them. There to be one man and one woman uh, united together in marriage for life. That's what it's, it's told. There's not two genders. There's not a multiple multitude of genders. There's only two. There is male and female. And biology and science tells us the same things, the XY chromosomes. So that, that's what this uh, this whole attack Satan is making now is against God's order. When uh, he's got the world thinking that there can be as many gender, you know, not only two genders, but you can be whatever you want to be, I guess. Uh, man can marry man, women can marry women. Uh, it goes totally against God's order. And this is why God is going to have to come back and judge and holy righteousness to judge the earth and the rebellious who have changed his order. Uh, and that's what Satan is doing right now. We can see it all around us. Terry, for people who are listening to the podcast who don't know Jesus, what are the things they need to do to ensure their time in eternity with him? Here's what uh, Paul tells us in Romans chapter 10, verses 9 through 10, that if thou shalt uh, confess the Lord Jesus with your mouth, and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. In other words, confess with the mouth that you believe in him and all that, that the Bible says about him, that he is the Savior of the world and that you need salvation. If you, if you confess with your mouth, you believe it with all your heart, then you will be saved. That's, uh, that's what the salvation process is all about. And certainly, boy, the way things are shaping up, it's time... As never before for people to get right with God in the sense of, of being saved from their sins so that they will go to be in the hereafter with God forever. Terry, if people would like to get a copy of Hereafter or if they'd like to follow you in the work that you do online, would you tell us how we can do those things? Uh, you can go to uh, raptureready.com. That's, that's my primary uh, website of mine and Todd Strandberg who founded it. raptureready.com, all, all one one word, 
The books are listed there with the places to order. And you have my articles and many, many, I have thousands upon thousands of articles there. It's the largest uh, Bible prophecy website on the net in terms of, uh, of, uh, of information and visitors and so forth. So we, we welcome you there. And my other one is my little prophecy blog. It's called TerryJamesProphecyLine.com. That's another one, TerryJamesProphecyLine.com, all one word. And I have a lot of my videos and different things there, a lot of my interviews. I don't do videos, but a lot of my interviews with uh, with some of the prophetic ministries and with Jan Markell, other people, they can go there and check those out. We are living in exciting times for Christians. The book is Hereafter. It's far better than you can imagine. You've done a remarkable job along with your co-author, Jonathan Brentner. Terry James, thanks for joining us today on the Shilling Show Unleashed podcast. Well, thanks so much, Rob. I appreciate it. That concludes another edition of the Shilling Show Unleashed podcast. Visit us online at shillingshow.com where you can directly support this podcast by clicking on the Patreon banner at the top of the page and making a monthly donation. Your support is essential for the continuation of the Shilling Show Unleashed podcast. Until next time.